This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to your first episode of The Crowncast in 2024. And it feels beautiful. It feels like things are right. It's season three, baby. We're back. And I am not here alone. I am joined, as ever, by Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Hello. Happy to be here. And Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, guys. Happy New Year. Gentlemen, I have been specifically instructed by the two of you not to hype you up anymore. So what we're going to do is I'm going to stop hyping you, overhyping you guys. And we're going to see if it affects Charlotte FC's play, if it affects how they go out into the transfer market. But I've got to tell you, if I start seeing negative results on the pitch, if I start seeing bad transfers, if I start seeing the club looking like they're not out there to go and get it, I'm going to have to go back to my winning ways, all right? Fair enough, fair enough. Exactly. You'll be like, you'll be like Billy Bean going to his first Oakland A's game in however many years and watching the runs <laughs> pile up. Like, no, we're going back to it. You mean the Las oh. Vegas A's? The Las Different Vegas. podcast. Sorry, that, that's tune in for the Crowncast baseball talk. <laughs> yeah, baseball talk. <laughs> Coming in 2025. Uh, no, somebody's going to quote me on that. I guarantee it. Uh, welcome. welcome to you guys, also the listener, because while it's great to sit down and talk to Josh and talk to Ewan, it is also great to sit down and talk to you. Because without you guys, we wouldn't be here. You're, you're a part of our family. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking New Year's resolutions. We're going to be talking about our personal New Year's resolutions, how we feel like we can improve in 2024. We're going to be talking about resolutions we, we wish for the club, that we hope the club sat down and gave itself. And uh, then we're going to be talking about some of the transfer news that has already happened, what the January window is, how it affects MLS teams and other teams around the world, as well as some dream transfer targets. And I want to state this now. We're not getting any of our dream transfer targets. This is just for fun. Guys, do you think in that order is good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it then. Uh, you and I am, uh, you know what? Actually, no, I'm going to jump across. I'm going to go to Josh. Josh, we missed you for a little while in 2023. So yeah, yeah. how about you lead us off of 2024? What is your personal New Year's resolution? Personal New Year's resolution is to uh, get back into running shape. Longtime listeners will know I was supposed to run a race. I didn't. I got sick. So this year, the resolution is to run that race. You know, what's funny is I remember introducing you for that race because you told me off mic that you were getting in running shape. And I believe I introduced you in that podcast as uh, Josh, a man who occasionally runs voluntarily. (laughs) Yep. And then I got sick and had a baby and that all went out the window. So (laughs) it's amazing how fast life hits you. Uh, You and how about you go next? What is your personal uh 2024 um i'm almost in like a this is this will be a common one for people i'm in like a perennial state of saying i need to read more i need to read more even though i read a decent amount i feel like that's kind of a common one which people come to the new year and say and and this year is kind of no different i have a stack of books which you know you listen to a podcast you scroll on twitter whatever it may be something piques your interest you buy the book and then it, it kind of sits and it sits it gathers dust I am going to try and make the effort to to read more. 
I'm going to use my Twitter to to hold myself accountable to it by putting out what I'm reading and, and hopefully people will find that interesting and maybe take a recommendation and also maybe writing a little bit more off the back of that. I know those New Year's resolutions sound like a sound like that of an English student rather than that of someone who is uh, is uh, is is trying to analyze football. But those two paired together, try to do more reading, which I already do, and try to do a little bit more writing, which has uh, fallen to the wayside a little bit. I think to pair them would be a nice uh, nice one too as a New Year's resolution. So uh, yeah, I'll be trying to hold myself accountable to stick to that. Twenty twenty four Crowncast Book Club. 2024 <laughs> see the problem is it's all just football books yeah there's a few football books on there that i need to read but it's also it's it's finding the time to do the other stuff of like the you know what i what everyone else would maybe consider boring which i have that those really are gathering dust because football just seems to never end <laughs> every single night you think you dedicate a few hours to something and uh, there's a game going on somewhere so uh, hopefully try and strike that balance right this year and it's so easy to turn it on and watch. It's so easy. Uh, my New Year's resolution this year is going to be something that will also sound kind of general. My New Year's resolution is to tackle my health in the real and honest ways. Uh, I am not, I'm not a super young man anymore. I'm not an old man by any means. Uh, I'm 32 years old. But 32 years old is the point in life where if you get injured, you, if you break your arm or if you get hurt or if you pull a hamstring, you don't just wake up two weeks later and it's better. I'm starting starting to reach the point in my life where when I get injuries and when I get problems, they become significantly longer, significantly more challenging to deal with. And I know it's not going to get any better from there. So I'm really trying to take this time this year to set a new baseline for how I manage my health so that I can be healthy and I can I can do this with you guys for many, 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 many eons to come. How many years is in an eon? Ewan? Ooh, I think I think you went to the wrong person out the two there. If you want to find the answer to that, join us on our other podcast, Science Every Day. <laughs> the Crowncast, Science Every Day, coming out in 2026. Uh, episode one, what is an eon? Uh, <laughs> little teaser for y'all. Yeah. Now that we have, have done that, we have our New Year's re- resolutions. We hope that you at home have yours. And that whatever they are, big or small, uh, you know, personal or social, uh, we hope that you have the ability to find the best versions of yourselves. And happy holidays, because we didn't talk to you in between uh, Christmas for those who celebrate and New Year's. Happy holidays. Happy New Year's. Let's get into it for the team. Uh, You and I'm going to go back to you this time. If you were running Charlotte FC... And you get to give Charlotte FC's New Year's resolution. What is Charlotte FC's New Year's resolution? I think the obvious New Year's resolution, which will probably be what everyone or nearly everyone would say, would be about the giving up of leads. Please mm-hmm. don't do that as much in the new year. Um, that would be the obvious one. Um, so to kind of take that a step further and almost try and highlight the the exact problems which cause that. Uh, and, and look at specific things to kind of improve on. Um, I'm particularly thinking improve rest defense and improve box defending in 2024. Now, these aren't direct New Year's resolutions because not only do we have a new head coach, there's probably going to be a fairly new cast of characters on the field as well trying to enact this. But just as a general club rule, I think people got really tired, even if they weren't analyzing it directly. 
of the open transitional stuff. I think people got really tired of how cheap things were given away when we actually had a settled defense and we were defending set pieces or those kind of low block, mid block situations that we got ourselves into when we had two goal leads, we had one goal leads. Those are two specific areas where if Dean Smith and the staff taking the job, believe in the project, they're analyzing the games from last season and looking where we can improve. That's two major areas where it's like, right, if we can get that, if we can take that from bad to average, and that's not an easy fix, but it's kind of, you know, it's it's a it's a fix that can happen if you coach it well, that would raise the floor massively. So those two areas, and they both fall under the general gaze of defending, but rest defense and box defending from those low block, mid block situations, those are two ones where I think, okay, if we can get that to average, which can be coached, even if the player standard doesn't raise that much, that would make a massive difference. So yeah, I would be looking at that for 2024 as a uh, as an improvement that would make the biggest difference the quickest. Awesome. I will go in the middle for my Charlotte FC New Year's resolution, and that is I want to see players have options. Uh, I've seen too many times at Charlotte FC where someone will get the ball and they really don't have an option. And sometimes they cut out their own options. We have a couple players at Charlotte FC who are very good at that, running down hallways. But... As a rule, in the professional side of the game, things move really, really fast. People have to be thinking two steps ahead in order to provide options. If you say that during the 90 minutes of a game, every single player who gets the ball should have at least two options to benefit the team moving forward, and one option to maintain control and positioning and not give up the ball, one safety net, each individual player when they touch the ball should have three options those options can be long balls they can be diagonals to players they know are going to be making runs out holding the width of the pitch they can be short touch passes in the midfield they can be through balls that are dangerous uh and then you have all sorts of of different defensive options you have the ability to kick it back to your keeper if need be although that can be challenging and sometimes scary uh, you should have a defender who is in a position that they can receive the ball from you and recycle possession. I would like to see Charlotte get to a point where its players are not thinking about who's passing me the ball. Its players are thinking about and capable of executing on who's passing the guy who's passing me the ball, <laughs> right? Who's the guy before that? And when that guy gets the ball, I need to be moving so that when my guy gets the ball, I'm already there. Not we're figuring it out once he gets the ball. I should be looking up at him with my arms wide and ready saying, I want the ball, I want the ball, I want the ball. It's really hard to do, but it's the standard and future of football that, that I want to see at Charlotte FC. So if I was Charlotte FC, my statement would be, I want to see options from my players. And if they don't always have three, I want to see people moving to create those three by the end of this year. Josh. So mine is going to be a little bit more front office focused. Um, so I would love some more established MLS talent on this team, on this roster. Um, when you look at this roster, we had 12 players who made at least 20 appearances for the league last year. 
we had 12 players who made at least 15 starts for the league last year. They are not the same players. When you look at those, you have a small percentage of those guys who had MLS experience before playing for Charlotte. That includes Brant Bronico and Derek Jones, neither of whom had extensive MLS experience or were considered starters at previous clubs. Jalen Lindsay, same thing. The only one who, only person who made consistent appearances and starts for this club who previously had uh, high quality MLS experience is Justin Merrim. And that was a while ago. For me, this has been something I've been saying for a couple years now. I do not believe that this team has enough MLS talent. And there is talent in this league. It is not talent comparable to the Premier League or to any of the other big leagues in Europe. But this is no longer the league of the 90s and early 2000s. There are talented guys who spend their entire careers here. And while I understand that Charlotte wants to hit the international market well, and I'm not asking for a complete overhaul of that strategy, I need some guys in this team who have been in the league for five, six, seven years who know this league and who have been quality starters on teams. I thought we had that in Bill Tuiloma. That did not happen last year. Maybe Dean Smith can rehabilitate that situation a little bit for us. But what Bill Tuiloma represented to me was something that got me really excited was a guy who had played at a high level and didn't need the, to acclimatize to this league. And that is something that continuously worries me when we get linked to players outside of this league and outside of this country, is that it's one thing if you have an established team and culture where those guys can come in and be a part of it, but it feels like we still don't have that. So why not bring in two or three guys who can be major contributors who already know this league? Absolutely. Sounds good to me. I will, I'm going to slide a bonus, a bonus thing in here that I didn't warn anyone about. You and when you and I were doing buy, sell, hold defenders, there was a defender that we, we both agreed we really needed to wait until we found out who the coach was. <laughs> because once we knew what the coach was, it would dress, it would either be a buy or a sell. There was going to be nothing in between. We know who the coach is. We have Dino. And now we have a very brief moment where we get to talk about Jalen Lindsay and revisit the conversation. Knowing what you know of Dean Smith, is Jalen Lindsay a buy, a sell, or a hold for you, Ewan? The appointment of Dean Smith relative to whether you should feel more or less confident about Jalen Lindsay, it should, absolutely, it should absolutely make you feel more confident that he'll be able to fulfill his potential. You should feel more confident about him as a player with mm -hmm. Dean Smith being appointed. So if it's leaning it either way, it would lean it in the buy direction. Two main reasons. The general focus on player development, young player development that he sees his role as. We, I think we mentioned this a few weeks ago where it's like a, a head coach will set out. They, they, think it's, they think their role means this. They think their role means that. With Dean Smith, he obviously sees it as a role where the tactics is important, but his, the area where he will thrive is making players better. Mm -hmm. developing the young talent. Jalen Lindsay obviously falls under that bracket. Second reason being, if we go into that tactical area, 
and maybe he'll have adjusted this, maybe he won't, but he's coached a lot in the last five years. It's not like he's been inactive. And those teams that he's coached, they haven't played with that fullback inversion. They've played with very conventional fullback play, very conventional up and down the wing, bread wide, open up the field, provide space for the midfield players, provide space for a fairly conventional 10. And you stay on the on the outside and you get up the wing, you get down the wing. You're almost a little bit isolated on that zone because of how we're going to deploy our wingers. So we need you to be wide to give us our width. So yeah. in two in, in sort of two ways, both the the focus on young player development and what he does do tactically, what he's done tactically, which you would project him to do tactically in Charlotte. It would have to it would have to lean you more in the direction of thinking, yeah, Jalen Lindsay will be in the plans for Dean Smith. Yeah, when it comes to Dean Smith, uh, he takes the needle straight over to buy for me when it comes to Jalen Lindsay. Uh, he, Dean Smith likes guys who are going to be in space as almost wingbacks. And we talked about the fact that if you were looking at how Jalen could succeed or would succeed, the opportunity he would need is to basically be a wingback. He'd need the touchline to go out and, and show what he can do. And I think he's going to have that opportunity. I think even if you look at some of the other people who we have gone out and acquired some of the people from the MLS draft, they are high speed, touchline, chalk on the boots, fullbacks that have a lot of, uh, you know, forward attacking momentum in them. So I, I think that's a really interesting, you know, the way it fell off the fence for Jalen Lindsay. Uh, Josh, you weren't in the original, but would you like to weigh in here, give a bicep hold on Jalen? Sure. I, I will say that I, in all honesty, I, I'm not overly familiar with Dean Smith's tactics. Having heard from Ewan, Ewan, if we're talking about a system where it is a more traditional up and down the line fullback, I will lean hold, and that it hold is basically off of Jalen's age and his relative youth. I will be perfectly honest. Um, with if I had not heard that from you all, it would still have been a, it would have been a sell for me. I I'm I'm probably overly harsh and overly pessimistic. I know relative to general fans, I'm not seeing it with Jalen. I, I think that there are some defensive deficiencies in his game. I think he can put in a good ball. I'm not always in love with his sort of short medium passing and his ability to help the team and build up. With that said, as with everything, it's always hard to tell. Is that a function of the player? Is that a function of the system? And if he's not comfortable playing that inverted role that Latanzio was asking for him, perhaps that weighs into it. Um, to make a, another analogy to, to baseball, wasn't planning on it, but you often hear guys who they struggle in the field with defense and that goes across to their hitting or they're, they're struggling at the plate and that comes across into their defense. I think glass half full, maybe that's what was happening with Jalen, where like he just was so uncomfortable in that inverted role that it was affecting other parts of his game. And I will hope to be wrong about this. Um, my feeling, though, is that I'm I'm sort of at a point where I think that Jalen could be a average MLS starter and I simply want more again, please, in a year when he has provided two goals and 10 assists. Please call me an idiot everywhere that you can, because I will I will wear that proudly if that happens. I just I'm not seeing it. And the only reason it's a hold is is sort of because of what you guys have said about Dean Smith's tactics. Hey, 
I'm glad you can stand up and say it. Uh, I will move us along into the January transfer window. This is the first episode of 2024, which does, of course, mean that it is January. And in January, the clubs can buy the players. This particular window is interesting because while it comes at the time that the MLS is off of its schedule and is in its downtime, for a lot of other leagues in the world, this is the middle of their season. And players are are live. They're actively playing for their clubs right now. So you and I'm going to jump over to you for this one. And I'm going to say, what can you tell me about the January transfer window across the world and how realistically it works in football? Yeah, so the January transfer window, obviously with the ML, uh, with uh, with MLS, it's the period of the season where you're looking very big picture, looking at you know who could potentially offload, who could come in. You're thinking big picture about your squad. There's in our case, obviously, a new head coach appointment. It's all very new start. It's all very okay. We're gonna you know rip whatever happened before and 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 start from scratch. Whereas obviously that doesn't quite mesh with a lot of the other major leagues in the world, whereby this is a time where no one is really thinking outgoings. Teams are thinking, okay, we're in our situation we're in. We're in a relegation battle. We're in a push for the playoffs. We're in a push for Europe. We're in a push for potentially winning the league. Can we get one or two pieces to bring in? It's not really a time where people generally are thinking for outgoings, which for a team like Charlotte, who's in that big picture situation for their incomings, maybe makes things a little little bit difficult. You think back to last summer, which obviously is in the middle of the of, uh, of the MLS season. Charlotte made two major acquisitions of Melanda and uh, Nathan Byrne, this not being a few months ago, but the, the year before that. That's the time where you can pinch that kind of talent, the European talent, where it's like, okay, an experienced guy is looking for a new challenge. He'll come in the summer. A young player who can get it this time, we can get him in the summer. Winter, it gets a bit tricky. Not impossible, because I do think that's when we got the Svidersky deal done, which still stands as the biggest deal that we have done um, as a club. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Godfather quote. Difficult, not impossible. It's a tough time to do business in European markets. And as we've seen today, an easier time to do business within MLS, perhaps. A lot of moves happening uh, with that today. So overall, in, ter- in terms of how the market works in January, it's going to be tough if anyone has any. I know people have, ru- have, have rumored certain ex players that Dean Smith has coached. Maybe that's something which comes in the summer. We saw that obviously we got Ash- uh, Ashley Westwood in this period of time, but we got Scott Arfield in the summer. It might be a time where we're looking at, you know, maybe younger players, South American based players, which I know people do want us to focus on that market a little bit more. MLS players, which obviously Josh has mentioned right now. He, he'd be very keen for us to get players in that market. Maybe if you're thinking of players, and this might contrast what we've said, what we might go on to say, you're thinking more of that American market rather than that European market where, when it comes to January. So, uh, Josh, I'm going to let you jump in here really quick if you'd like. And that is what realistically can an MLS team expect to achieve in January? I, I think it's South American talent mostly. I think it would be real veterans from over in in europe older guys like a westwood probably coming off of an injury type of thing or a or occasionally some of the younger talent 
at a European club that maybe is struggling to see a path forward at those clubs. Um, but again, I, I agree with you. And it, I, I think really what you're looking at and what you'll see a lot of with a lot of clubs is links to MLS guys and then to South American leagues that mirror our, our setup. Yeah, I'll just, hey. I'll just add, add quickly on that as well. Um, like you mentioned there, disgruntled players who maybe alone you thought might not work in the summer where it's not quite worked out for them. January is the time for that. The problem with MLS is sometimes that can be difficult because obviously you're talking about travel. You're usually talking about young players with that rather than disgruntled older players. So there is a market for incomings when it comes to Europe for that. There's just a difficult logistical element with that, obviously. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and let's take a look at some players who could potentially be coming in in January. And by potentially, we mean probably none of these guys are coming in in January, but they are people we've either been linked with or we think it's important to talk about and what positions in January we would like to see addressed. So I'm going to throw out a name and then I'm going to let Josh talk about that name because he knows a lot about him. And that's Jordi Mihailovic. Josh, Jordi Mihailovic, at the time of recording, has not signed for another team, <laughs> Seattle Sounders. But I believe I know it's Colorado. Oh, is it, is it Colorado? Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing it into a different team. Um, but not Charlotte FC. Get that guy out of here. Uh, who, who is this guy and why would you like him? So... I think a lot of fans will be familiar with Jordi Mihailovic. He is a relatively young U.S. Uh, men's national team player, although he's not played a lot at the national team level. Um, last when he was in MLS, he was with Montreal, and the numbers are just fantastic. You're talking in 2021, he had 17 goals and assists. The following year, he had 13 goals and assists, and that got him his move to uh, AZ Alkmaar in the Eredivisie where it hasn't really worked out. Um, there have been no definitive links between him and Charlotte. It is just a, it was basically a link of he's coming back to MLS. And when you see that for me, I see a guy who I would spend quite a bit of money on because I, even though it didn't work out over in Europe, I think he is still a really, really talented player. And I, believe that when he comes back here, he will immediately come back into being one of the one of the better players in this league. Yeah, he's an interesting name, isn't he? And I don't think yeah. Charlotte even really put their name in the hat for this. Nah. Like I said, at the time of recording, it's all but done and he's going to the Colorado Rapids uh, slash Seattle Sounders. Uh, you, you guys have to go figure it out for yourself. I'm not actually going to tell you. It's Colorado Somewhere Rapids. out west. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think he's not really on the table. But it is one of those things that's fun to talk about. I think half of the joy of, of the, the transfer time is, is getting to dream. We have been linked with some other players who are kind of out there on the scope. Uh, we have been linked with a Brazilian winger named Mauricio Prado. And his middle name is one of my favorite names in the world. There's a player at Arsenal who also has this name. And the Arsenal community rather enjoys mispronouncing it. Uh, so, Josh, I use Megaliash, but how do you pronounce this? It, Big Gabby. I, I don't pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> we need to, uh, if you, if your Portuguese is quite good and you can help us out with with how you pronounce uh, 
what I want to, in an American accent, call uh, Megalies. How how we pronounce this, I I'd love to know. But he's probably not a guy that we're gonna get. Uh, he was rumored at expecting an eight million or no, an, an eight million bid was apparently turned down, mm-hmm. and it's now rumored that it's going on to ten million. That would be yep. double what we paid for Carol Schroderski. That's a huge investment of funds in a twenty-one-year-old, twenty-two-year-old winger who I do think this club is hyper-prioritizing wingers. Um, I think that they are looking at lots of different talent who could come in and own those wide spaces for the club. But I don't see this as being the guy that it, that's going to come in and take that position. If it is, I'm on board. I like him. You can go ahead and write it down that if Charlotte FC wants to pay $10 million in money that does not belong to me, uh, great. I'd be happy with that. But on the realness scale, I think this is a one out of 10. Uh, Ewan, on the realness scale, uh, Mauricio Prado. I mean, the main thing is that we don't need him because we have Tiger Smalls. That's the that, that's that's the real bottom line here. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we don't we don't need him because we have Brandon Cambridge, and well, Josh. Well, <laughs> Josh would clearly say we don't need him. We don't we need him because we have Mackenzie Gaines. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Josh. It's a, it, you, you do make a good point in that when you line up the fee that is rumored versus the fees that we are paying for players or have paid for players, it doesn't quite mesh. That does, you know, that does make sense. Um, and almost to kind of bring this back, not to backtrack us a bit, but in terms of the January market, it almost makes things more interesting from our outgoings because, and I should have made this point initially, Carol Svodersky majorly rumored to leave Charlotte FC, of course, and that would be for pretty big money. But if that does happen, you're looking at that happening probably at the back end of a transfer window. So does that complicate our funds in terms of whether how active we can be in that window of time? Are we happy to negotiate from the standpoint of we will sell him? We know this money's coming in, so we are happy to do business in the meantime. It, it, it's one of them situations where you know I I I watch football, I focus on the football stuff. I don't know all that much about the business side of everything, but I suppose it is something to factor if Carl Svodersky is going to be such a big part of our off season gossip or or chat whether they're just going to bank that money straight away and think okay we are going to sell him we know the ballpark fee let's go spend it or if they are going to play hardball and eventually it gets to a place where they get an offer they can't refuse so that that'll that'll be something to monitor but yeah in terms of the fee for for the player it's probably not one that we're going to pay in one lump sum you'd imagine that we'll probably spread that kind of money around if that was disposable for us to spend yeah I have to say the Carol Schroderski stuff has calmed down. I really haven't heard anything else out of either him, his agent, or the club saying, get me out of here, which might start to point after a while of either there were not as many options for Carol Schroderski as he might have thought, uh, or with the appointment of Dean Smith, he might have been made a little bit happier. Josh, thoughts on Carol and whether or not he could be sticking around? Um. I still think that Carol is going to leave. I, I also think it'd be kind of, I think Ewan alluded to this a, a few podcasts ago. I think it'd be kind of a bad look for this club to 
to keep Carol, to be quite frank. I mean, he's just made no bones about wanting to leave. And I just think that that's sort of a cloud in a conversation that you don't need to have. I would in a vacuum, I would love for Carol to stay. I think he still is our best and most talented player. But if he wants to leave and and try his hand at Europe again, I understand it. It's probably the last time he legitimately has a shot to do it. Um, And I think that we could get a, a, a good fee for him that would hopefully be in re- that would be reinvested smartly. So I, I still think that, unfortunately, I think Carol is going to leave. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of different things to see whether or not they happen. I'm going to go ahead and push us into looking at positions that we would like to target. So for the three of us here on this particular panel, if you could only sign one player, what is your position of need? And I'm going to come back. At, I'm going to come out first, and I'm going to say my position need is a left back. If there's a place where Charlotte FC is going to go and say, I'm going to get the guy who is a stick-on, going to work in this league, doesn't have to be a, a, a world beater, <clears throat> just somebody they know they can strengthen with who is going to work, who is going to be able to play Dean Smith's system, no questions asked, is a reliable, workhorse, solid player, I'm looking at left back. Uh, I don't think that this is going to surprise a lot of people. We had a lot of left back issues in the past year. I think in right back, we have options that I don't love and it probably needs to be addressed too, but it could work in left back. I, I really feel like I'm sitting on my hands and I don't like that feeling. Uh, Ewan, how do you feel about left back and what do you, where would you go to for your target of the January window? In terms of left back, um, that that almost goes back to what we spoke about in the buy sell holds, and directly to Jerry Urinen, who obviously at this point would be slated to be the starting left back. You would project, um, and, and I, I, I was a buy on Jerry Urinen based off mainly what I'd seen from him in the past year and a half, what we'd uh, what we'd seen from him in that conventional left back role. Now that we know we have Dean Smith and that conventional left back role is probably going to be what is set out in our in in our game model. I, I feel pretty confident in him. Now if you want you like to, him even more. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I, I liked him before and, and now that I know that's how we'll well, I don't know that's how we'll play, but I feel pretty confident saying that is we'll play. I feel confident that he can be starting left back. Now, when it comes to having a little bit of backup there. I don't mind the idea of going out and getting someone a little bit young who can learn for a year and and provide competition properly in a year's time, whilst also providing competition in the meantime, learning, developing, getting a game here and there in the pack schedule. But in terms of a frontline starter, I do actually have a lot of confidence that uh, Jerry Erinen can be the guy. And I'm honestly, in terms of things that I'm excited to see in the new season with Charlotte, he he's quite far up there because I do think he might be able to surprise a few people with how well he plays in a conventional left back role. So yeah, I'm excited to see it. Um, in terms of who I would go for in in a in a dream scenario specifically, um, I was thinking midfield, and I was thinking um, Lewis O'Brien. I know we mentioned this before. Lewis O'Brien is someone who played MLS last year so although it's a dream it is also kind of baked in with that little bit of realism 
he played for DC United. He played on loan there because he didn't meet the squad quota for Nottingham Forest. So he's basically left with a club, but ultimately without the opportunity to play football because he didn't meet the uh, the quota of the number of players that you can have available in a squad. So that's how he was at DC. Um, and he was at DC in a fairly talented squad, but ultimately he was being coached by Wayne Rooney in a in a weird tactical setup and and not something which I, I would I, I would judge him on too much. What I would judge him on is his football that he played, um, mainly for Huddersfield Town. Honestly, I think he was a, he was a deep well he was a deep midfielder who's short in stature but played with incredible amount of intensity. Was really good on the ball good upper body strength, really good at distributing. And one of my favorite things about him, and this is a bit tactical nerd stuff, is the idea of in a world where everyone wants to press and in a league like MLS where everyone wants to press, and it's such an emphasis, the idea that you can have good ball carriers deeper, that you can beat the press, not just by, you know, scheming up these these great patterns, which are, you know, great to watch, but they're hard to coach. Instead, can you just have a one player who can receive the ball on the turn confidently? Can you have one player who can receive the ball on the half turn, throw a shoulder and get past his man? Absolute cheat code. Absolute cheat code. And it, with Lewis O'Brien, as a dream player who is still fairly realistic, but just as a profile, someone who has that ability, if we could get someone like that, put him in the deepest midfield role, have someone like Ashley Westwood playing further forward rather than in the six so that he can then receive the ball off that player and drive it forward into space. I think you would almost be getting two for the price of one by getting a player that good and then unlocking the best value of Westwood. So I would love Lewis O'Brien at the club, but if we can't get him, someone of that ilk, I think would be massive. All right, Josh, let's go ahead to your uh, position and player you'd pick. Um, so I'm going to quickly say that my position is actually not the player that I'm going to pick. If I could choose one position, it would actually be left center back. Um, and in an ideal world, I would love for us to have a left-footed center back who could play a pass. I think that is that is a big issue with this team and the way that we build up. Um, I liked what I saw from Andrew Privet, but he is a midfielder turned center back who is also right-footed. Um, I would not be opposed to him playing a lot of minutes come next year, but that would be sort of a a position I would really like to see us upgrade. With that said, my sort of dream signing is one that I think people who are familiar with MLS and the U.S. men's national team will, might roll their eyes at, but it would be Kellen Acosta. Um, I think he gets a bit of a bad rap because I don't think he is quite good enough to play at the international level, um, but that's also not a slight on him because that's a very, very high level. Um, I think he's a really, really good MLS player, and he is 28. He goes back to my my thing about getting players who know this league and who have been starters in this league. He's not a guy who's going to get you a ton of goals. I think his career high is three. He's mostly a one or two goal guy. Um, he's not going to get you a ton of assists. He's mostly a one or two assist guy. But in a similar vein to what Ewan was saying, I think if you were to pair him with Ashley Westwood, you solidify the middle of our pitch a lot more. And then some of those other defensive issues that we saw and, and games being thrown, I think would get um, helped out a bit. I, I don't think he's necessarily realistic. He, for whatever people believe about him, he is a big name for this league. And, I, and I'd be very surprised if he came to Charlotte, but I would be absolutely ecstatic if he did. Uh, he's still available. 
Um, I don't know if LA want to bring him back. I'm sure that there are going to be other big clubs that are going to be looking at him. But if it goes for much farther, I would really hope that Charlotte would give him a really, really good look. Yeah, I am going to follow your lead and I'm going to pick left back. And then I'm going to essentially pick a center back for the player that I would bring in. And that is there is a player out there named Ben Godfrey, who is English. And I shy away from English players uh, just because there is what's known as an English tax. The Premier League being one of the biggest leagues in the world requires a certain number of players on each team to be English. And as a result, English players are in high demand, even if they just kind of sit your bench. So it can be challenging to get English players into other leagues. But I like Ben Godfrey. He's 25. He's six foot. He is an aerial killer. He's one of the players who he can step out of his defensive box and make a pass. Uh, Josh, you're going to hate this about him. He's right footed, uh, although he does play uh, both left and right back. He also looks uh, like he's capable of getting up the wings. He looks like he's capable of progressing the ball. He looks like he's comfortable on both sides of the pitch, so he could cover left and right and potentially even cover fullback problems if we wanted to move to a system where we slid into a back three off either side. A player like this would be huge. I think that you could pair him with a Dielson Melanda, and suddenly you have two little bit taller, little bit meatier uh, people who can both handle tackling on the turn, uh, two people who can both handle running back and defensive duels, and two people who are both uh, just physically large enough that when they do have to go up and win that aerial duel, they have the advantage. I think he's a good player. He's out of favor in the Premier League at the moment. He's absolutely a dream for Charlotte FC because I think that we would be smashing our transfer records. I mean, I think we'd be looking at that like seven, eight million uh, British pound transfer to go and get this guy. But he is also, I believe he's 25 years old, which means he's coming into his prime as a uh, as a defender. And he could just run the MLS. He's the type of guy you could go to and you could say, you are going to have a spot here. Come here, be the best defender in the MLS for Charlotte FC. And maybe he's not number one, but if he comes to Charlotte FC, I bet he's in the top three in the league for defenders. Uh, that would be my my dream signing. Ewan, I know that you know a little bit about this guy. Any thoughts on Ben Godfrey? Yeah, I would yeah. um I I would co-sign this massively <laughs> as a potential <laughs> signing. Um you you're kind of ticking every box with him. You're getting um you're getting the quality as a player, you're getting the pedigree, you're getting the versatility that you mentioned there. Not only does he play left back, competent centre back, and also a competent right back who's played a little bit of midfield, which um I mean that happened at, at York City, which is a team that people will not know much about. Um, but it's local to me and he was basically put in midfield because you are a defender but you're also our best player so can you can you be in the middle of everything so that that's kind of the pedigree that I'm speaking about um yeah he he would he would be an incredible get for the team and you mentioned there about the potential transfer fee with a contract that expires in the summer of 2025 you almost wonder if you could um if you could get a little bit tricky with that and you could turn it into a loan that becomes a permanent transfer whereby you're subsidizing a little bit of the wages 
and then you're eventually paying a fee and uh, anyone who knows much about the Premier League would know that Everton probably take whatever money they can get at the moment due to uh, the situation there. But yeah, Ben Godfrey, really good player. At the Premier League level, he's kind of fallen out of favour, but we're talking about MLS here. We're talking about Charlotte FC, whereby he would be a top, top player within the squad. And like you say, probably one of the best uh, defenders in MLS as a whole, really. Um, I'll also say about Josh, um, if you're looking for a uh, for a ball-playing you know, centre-back, left-sided, free agent, Jan Sobashinsky. Give him a shout out. <laughs> I've not heard of him. Could you tell me a little bit more? <laughs> what's a what's a Jan <laughs> We went from we went from Ben Godfrey, and I was always I was going to bring his back down to her. That was that, that was my that was my purpose. <laughs> right down. And on that somewhat depressing note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are going to go. Not ahead. depressing for me. <laughs> we are going to go ahead and start to wrap it up. Uh, we're hitting our time here, so we will first and foremost say thank you to Ewan. Thank you, Ewan. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And Josh. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. And we will say thank you to you, dear listeners. As ever, if you have decided to spend your time with us, we love you. We do, and we're looking forward to spending a whole nother season together. That's it. We will talk to you again next Wednesday when Charlotte FC has signed all of the players. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com. Oh.